Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome. My name's Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor here at Crossbridge. I want to welcome those at all of our campuses, Peru, Morris, online. I'm thankful for you. I know we had a tremendous Easter last week, and, uh, and I'm really excited about the series that we're starting today. The series is called Beginnings. And you may say, Beginnings, what, what are we going to be talking about with Beginnings? Beginnings, really, uh, the series is going to be based off these first stories in the beginning of the Bible. And so really, primarily, even today, you're going to hear right from the very beginning of the book. And, and these are some great stories that I think you're going to get a lot out of. Now, here's the big picture. The big picture is this, that for the next several months, we're going to be, in a sense, walking through the high points, the big stories of the Bible, from the, this cover to this cover. From Genesis to Revelation, we're going to be working through this book. Now, you may say, man, that is going to take forever, and how in the world are we going to cover all this? We're going to cover it one big story at a time. And so we're going to leave out a lot of details, but here's what we assume at Crossbridge. Many of you are just starting in your relationship with Jesus, and that is a good thing. But we also know that for many of you, this book, it's new, and you're not used to it, and you're not familiar with it. So we want to help you to just get a good foundation for this book. In fact, um, to supplement uh, our teaching on a weekly basis. We have a book that's going to be available to you today that you can pick up uh, called The Story. And for $5 donation, in fact, here's what I'd say. If you don't have $5, take one on us. We want you to have this book because we want to do this together. This book, really, from cover to cover, is it's, it's the very stories that we're going to be talking about, the high points, that are pieced together so it reads like a story. You're going to read one chapter a week. It's really not much for some of you who are saying, man, I'm just not a reader. One chapter a week, and then when you show up on Sundays, you'll hear us preach on the same things that you're reading. Here's what I hope by the end of this series, by the time we're done with the story, is that you have learned about this incredible story and how it can connect and change your story. Pastor Kevin is going to preach to us. Uh, he is our Peru campus pastor. I'm excited for him to share this week from the book of Genesis. So I'm going to pray for him and he's going to come. Father, thank you for Kevin. I thank you for him and I pray that as he shares your word, you're going to help him. And I pray that as his words come out, we wouldn't just hear from him, that we would hear from you. I give you thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to Crossbridge. Uh, so glad to be able to be with you. If you were uh, at our Easter services um, last week, oh, amazing, amazing time together. Um, in light of uh, last week's uh, message, I figured that getting the opportunity to preach this, uh, this weekend today that I would make sure I didn't have my roughing pants on. Um, I also thought I would start the message with a text um, that Pastor Kevin sent. No, I won't do that. Um, but it is good to be able to worship with you. Hey, if I could just take a personal privilege uh, and say both to the Peru campus as well as to the Morris campus. Um, today at our, at our Peru campus, our uh, worship leader, Jen Billingsley, this is her last Sunday, and she and her husband Chris have just done a phenomenal job of leading worship. And I know our, uh, our, our church family there in Peru, we have just really, really enjoyed 
um, having her, and she's actually going to be moving. And Morris Campus, you are getting a phenomenal family and uh, a wonderful worship leader. And so, uh, Morris, you are blessed. Um, hey, we're going to dive in. Um, I grew up near Chicago and uh, went to the city often, be able to look up and see the sights, the skyscrapers, all that kind of stuff. But I remember the first time I actually hopped on a plane and left O'Hare, and I saw the city in a whole different perspective from 30,000 you know, feet up. Today, what we're going to do is, from a 30,000-foot perspective, we're going to go through the first uh, three chapters of Genesis. And so if you have a Bible on your phone or wherever, I would invite you to turn with me. But we're going to look at the first few chapters of Genesis, and I certainly am not going to read them all to you, but uh, I'm going to just uh, pick a few verses here. Beginning in chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then let God said, let us Make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say to you, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us the grace and the faith and the courage, not simply to hear this story, but to respond to what you might have to say to us through your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I have a confession to make. I I love going to the movies. I know many of us do, but I love going to the movies alone. I love to just like kind of creep away and just go sit in a dark room. And one of the reasons I love to do that is just because I can just kind of, you know, decompress, just kind of turn off, you know, all that, you know, surrounds in my heart and mind and everything else and just, just kind of turn it all off for a few hours. But also I love to go to the movies and, and it really doesn't matter to me like the genre of the movie. I want to be careful about what I take in, you know, what the story is and all those kinds of things. But the, the genre of the movie, it really doesn't matter to me. I'll, I'll watch a, you know, romantic comedy or a superhero movie, sci-fi, a western, you name it. I just, I love a good story. 
I think we all do. You know, our, our, our world is made up of stories. And they're stories of, of friendship and loyalty and lasting, enduring love. Stories of, of, of jealousy and greed and, and, and betrayal and, and even murder and death. And stories of, of redemption, of, of courage and, and of hope. The stories that we carry around in our own lives um, somehow, as we read the story of the Bible, God invites us to find our own story within his. And so as we read these first few uh, chapters of the beginnings of the story of God, I, I would invite us to kind of lean in, to pay attention to what it is that God wants to say to us. And so could we just begin at the very beginning? Chapter 1. Verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Could, could we just go back to those first four words of the first verse? In the beginning, God. I, I want us to think about something, and that's this. Before creation, there was God. In, in the beginning, from the beginning, before the beginning, there was God. We could never wrap our minds around a God before there was time, before there was space, before there was football, before there was pizza, or you know, whatever. Before there was anything, there was God. And I don't know about you, but I kind of think to myself, like, what did he do all day? Well, I guess there wasn't a day and there wasn't night because he hadn't created it yet. But what, was it boring? What, what, did he just kind of float out in space? We need to get this picture of God before creation. And there's some indicators here even in in what we read. If you move forward a little bit, where God begins to create man, he says this, he says, let us make God in our image. Do Do you hear the plural? Let us in our image. In other words, there's a description here of a God who is a God of relationship. We, we talk about God in terms of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In fact, um, John in his gospel writes that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We see that this picture of the Word, Jesus. We see the Father and the Son and the Spirit together. They're, they're three persons, but one God. And we see that, that from the beginning, even before God created, that this God of relationship was there. And, and now get this. First John, it says this. It says that God is love. So, so see this picture of Father, Son, Spirit, this one God in, in three unique persons, and that this, this relationship is love. It, it's, it's perfect love. It, it's, it's wanting for nothing. It, it's just, it's like, perfect. And then into this perfect love, God says, hey, let's go create something. Those of you, maybe you're young parents or you know some young parents, you know sometimes they like to talk about life BC, and I'm not talking about before Christ. I'm talking about before children. You know, like before children, we could just kind of get up and go and do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. And there was, you know, some freedoms there. But, but when we had kids, then it was like poopy diapers at, you know, two in the morning. And, you know, our schedules are restricted and all those kinds of things. And so, 
sometimes you kind of daydream about, you know, before kids, before, and, and here's a God saying, you know what? Let's into our perfect love. Let's just create some, you know, like poopy diapers. <laughs> let's create some chaos. Let's, let's restrict ourselves. Let's limit ourselves. And, and every, every um, young parent with kids, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I've been there. I, I, know what's, I know what's happening. And so God, in, in his love, says, let's, let's welcome others into this love, into this relationship. And so the picture of God in the beginning it's a God of, who's a loving father, a, a parent, who says, welcome into the family. You know, I, I've been in a lot of um, small groups uh, in the various churches that I've been a part of. And, and one of the most challenging things that we always face is, man, when we just really begin to love each other and just kind of build relationships of vulnerability and trust and friendships, then when, when it's time for somebody new to come in, are we going to love them? Are we going to welcome them in? Because uh, it gets hard because it, you know, kind of creates a little bit of friction and problems. And, and the same thing is true with young parents. I, I remember when uh, my wife Sarah and I, when we were uh, thinking about having kids. And I think if I remember correctly, it went something like this. You know, if we plan now, maybe 12, 13 years from now, that lawn will get mowed and I won't have to do it. No, no, that's not, that's not what it was. The reason we decided to have kids was because we loved one another. And we wanted to share the love that God had given to us, Sarah and I, with some others. And so we willingly, we gave ourselves uh, um, in love to one another. And and the fruit was our kids, right? And so in the beginning, this God of love, this, this heavenly parent who just wants to give all that he is, to his kids he, he creates. And, and we certainly see this God of incredible power. We're told that he just, he speaks. And the world comes into, into being. And we can read through day one and day two and day three of, of all that he speaks into being. It's, it's an incredible, mighty, powerful God. But we also see a God who's incredibly creative. I mean, how many times have we come to a place in our lives where we're like, there's just no way out. I'm stuck. There's just no hope. There's just no future. And yet we see a God who's able to just like envision this creation and then just speak it into being. Our God is a loving heavenly father who is incredibly creative and powerful. And so we say we can, we can trust this God. He, he speaks into being all of life. And if you read through it, he says after each day that he creates, he says and it's good, and it's good, and it's good. And so the first thing I just want us to look at here is, is this God who is love, who willingly says, you know what, let's invite the kids in. Let's, let's allow some chaos because we love incredibly and radically. What kind of God would give himself for that? But that's who this creator, sustainer, and loving God is. He's a, he's a heavenly father who loves us. So then we see at the end of chapter one, where God says, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. What does that mean that we're, to, we're created in God's image? If you've ever been to a, um, 
one of those carnival like house of mirrors you know where where see right now you're looking through a lens that actually makes me look a lot bigger than I am but if you if you've ever seen one of those like houses of mirrors you see your reflection and it's a little distorted but you know as you move around um, whatever that image is on the mirror it it reflects you, right? And so when we're told that we as the crowning creation of God, we were created in his image, it means no, we're not God, but we're, we're created to reflect him. Not necessarily in physical terms, in a physical description, but we were created by God, creatively designed by him to reflect him in the way that he thinks and in his heart in, 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 in his creativity. And so we're created to reflect God, to reflect his love to the world. We're, we're like created to be like a, um, like a funnel. You know, you have containers and then you have funnels. A container, you pour something in and it just it contains it, right? But you pour something in a funnel and it's meant to flow through And so God created us in such a way that we would just, the love that he shares with us, that we would share that with others. In fact, as, as you look through this story of Genesis in chapter 2, the Lord, there's actually two accounts, in, one in Genesis chapter 1 and one in Genesis chapter 2 of, of creation. The first account in chapter 1 is a lot more succinct. But in chapter 2, it's almost like the Lord wants to kind of elaborate about the beauty of our creation and how we were designed. And so um, God talks about the way that he designed us was from the dust of the ground. In other words, we're just dirt. (laughs) We're nothing. But it says, then he breathed his breath of life into us. You and I have the breath, and that, that word for breath is the same word of, of wind or the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's called pneuma, or the breath of God, that God literally poured himself into us. And that is what gives us life. All of us today, we have the life of God. If you're breathing, if you're alive, you have the breath of God in you. And, and for those that would just say, I want nothing to do with God, and there are many who do, actually what they're saying is, I wish I were dead. Because every breath that we breathe, it is a gift from the one who, is, who loves us and fills us with himself. And so we're told that God created us and then breathed life into us. We're unique in that way. But then later in, in chapter 2, we're told that there was this account of how we were created to complement one another. We're told that God looked at Adam and gave him a job, said, your job is to take care of the garden. Your job is to reign over, to rule over, to be a caretaker of. In other words, Adam, you have been given incredible power, the power of God himself to make decisions, to make choices, to carefully rule and take care of creation. And then God says, but you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And so there's this story in the scriptures about God taking man and kind of putting him to sleep and reaching in and taking a rib out of Adam and from that rib creating Eve. 
And it's kind of a, a strange story, but the point of the story is this, that Adam and Eve are created to complement one another, that, that we're not whole in and of ourselves. And, and the point of this story really is that we're not complete apart from one another. Because if, if God is love and we are the vessels that he pours himself uh, into, then we're required to pour ourselves into one another. And so it's this incredibly intimate picture of, of a man and a woman coming together. And, and, and if you notice it in chapter 2, what he says is he gives them a commission. Be fruitful and multiply. And, and certainly we might think of that in a physical sense of the call to be fruitful. But, but the bigger picture is as you come together in love, as you intimately care for one another, you're going to, to bear life to the world, and that's not just a physical picture of, of birthing new life. It's, it's a picture of sharing and multiplying the life of God, the love of God, the grace of God to the world when we recognize that we're not complete apart from one another. You know, I think one of the concerns that we as a church in America and that maybe we, we as Crossbridgers, we need to take notice of, is just how superficial it's easy to be in our relationships. And we can say, well, I'm just, I'm so busy. But the truth is that we can be so superficial in our relationships that we, aren't, that we don't really give others the opportunity to know us and to be known by us to be vulnerable to one another, to allow others to come alongside and encourage us and strengthen us. And and I realize our schedules are so busy, but we have to figure out ways to be vulnerable, to share with one another. There's this saying in Genesis about when God created them and called them to be fruitful and multiply this mission of God. And, and, And we're told that this is kind of a strange saying, but We're told that when they were created, Adam and Eve together, that in the presence of the Lord, they were naked and unashamed. They were naked and unashamed. In other words, they didn't know any different. Other than just like full loving surrender. Here I am, God. You made me. You know me. You know my innermost thoughts. You know who I am. I belong to you. And, and I belong to him or to her. I belong to these others. We are family. And we find our true identity, who we are, as we recognize that every breath belongs to God. It's a gift from him. And that we're called to share that spirit, share the fruit of that spirit, to, to love one another, to share our lives with one another. They were naked and unashamed. Well, chapter 3 of that story, that's where we, be, we begin to see the, where the mess is made, right? You know, this story about a, a snake being more crafty than all the rest and, and having this conversation with, uh, with Eve about, hey, did, did the Lord really say that you're not allowed to eat, you know, from this particular tree of knowledge and what's really going on there? It's more than just some kind of strange, archaic, archaic fable. 
This was uh, a people's way of saying God created us with the potential to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he created us in such a way that we also had the potential to say, no, God, whatever you're selling, I don't want it. I'm not sure that I trust you. And so when God said, all I give to you, this whole garden, it's beautiful, it's very, very good, but there is one thing I just need you to stay away from. Adam and Eve together, they, they just, they could not trust the Lord. They fell into temptation. And as a result, all hell broke loose, literally. That one decision, that one decision to say, God, I think I know better than you do. That one um, sin led to a curse, a disease that has infected all of humanity ever since. They fell into temptation. They said no to God. And what resulted was you can see when, when the Lord came walking in the garden, we're told, and the Lord is always walking in the garden, calling out to us, saying, where are you? I've been looking for you. I'm searching for you. Remember, I love you and I have love to offer to you. Where are you, Kevin? Where are you? And so we're told that the Lord came walking and looking and that they were so ashamed. They were so embarrassed. They knew they were guilty. And so what did they do? They hid. For the first time in their eye, in their minds, they realized that they were naked and ashamed. What does that mean? It means before that, before their sin, all they knew, all they knew was trust and love and purity and wholeness. And when they chose to disobey God, what happened was they discovered, they saw for, their, for themselves the, for the first time that, you know what, I can choose evil. I can choose evil. And what it began to do to them is they began to play the, the blame game, pointing their fingers at one another. It wasn't my fault. He made me do it. It wasn't my fault. They made me do it. And, and, and the, the beautiful picture of this garden scene of intimate communion, relationship with God, it wasn't even until the end of chapter 3, and it began to fall apart. And from this moment on, the whole rest of the story, it's a story of a God that just, it, he will not give up on us. He continues to pursue us, to chase after us. And so every story that we're going to be uh, reading together, we'll see stories of betrayal, of guilt and shame, of jealousy, of greed and, and murder. But we'll also see the very fingerprint of God as he reaches out and chases after and calls after people who are living in sin, who are saying, I don't trust you, God. And he's calling out to them and saying, let me, let me love you, let me care for you, trust me, follow me. I have life, choose life, not death. This, this story, the beginning of Genesis there's just so much in there to unpack. But in total, if we can just come right down to it, what it says is, man, our God, 
Our God is a God of love. He is a loving Father who created you and me in mind. Even from before creation, he had you and me in mind. And he loves us. And he created us in such a way that we might enjoy him, trust him, love him. And he created us in such a way that we might have intimate friendship and fellowship with one another. And that comes only as we surrender our lives to Jesus. Jesus came down from heaven, God in the flesh, and he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He obeyed the Father. He surrendered his life completely to the will of the Father, something that Adam and Eve and and none of the rest of us could do. And as he died on Calvary, what we just celebrated in Easter is that he took our sin, our shame, all that keeps us from really enjoying the life that God has for us. He took that to Calvary and he died on the cross. And when he, when he arose on the third day at Easter, all who would claim Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, our sins are forgiven and we find new life. Now granted, it's still in an old world that's broken and diseased in so many ways. But here in the beginning, here in the Genesis already, we're discovering that while a, a world is broken in need of restoration, that true healing, that true life, it comes as we give ourselves fully and completely to the plans of our Heavenly Father who loves us. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we ask that you would build our lives, restore us to the image of God. We pray that you would uh, equip us through the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to to trust you and to love you with all of our heart and, and therefore to be able to trust one another, to love one another, to together, Lord, as, as a Crossbridge church family, together to be able to, to kind of bear fruit of love and joy and peace and kindness to the world, that our world that is living in such turmoil, that they might see the God of love by the way in which we trust you and love one another. Thank you, Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.